Hello, 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 everybody. This is No Chick Flick Moments, our supernatural watchcast for fans by fans. B, how are you today? I am doing excellent. How about you, Remy? How's it going? I'm doing good. I'm all hyped up because I cried in like the first two minutes, but then I'm like, I mellowed out a bit since then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have the 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 sorrow hit and then the heartbeat, increasing heartbeat. <laughs> Yeah, this week, this week, I'm Remy, as you've surmised, I'm sure. I'm B. Hi, B. Hi. And <laughs> and this week, we are talking about Supernatural Season 14, Episode 8, Byzantium. It was an episode written by Meredith Glynn and directed by Eduardo Sanchez. Meredith! Meredith! What was the, do you know off the top of your head, what was the last Meredith episode that we had? Uh, wasn't she the one for Nightmare Logic? Yes, she was. Yes, yes. Yes. The gym. So, yeah, a, a lot of moving pieces that have to go quickly and then handling them deftly in execution. So, yeah. The description for this episode reads, um, when Sam and Dean join forces with an unexpected ally, the outcome will alter the course of two lives. Meanwhile, Heaven faces an attack from a dark force, driving Castiel to make an enormous sacrifice to make things right. Woof. Dun dun dun. Oh my god. Yeah, this episode, I remember on first watch, like, kind of knocked the breath out of me. It was a lot to happen to our characters and kind of left your head spinning at the end of it going, wow, that that was a fast hour. (laughs) It was, yeah, yeah. On the first watch, I was just sitting there on the edge of my seat reacting to everything that was happening. This is actually only the second time that I've watched this episode. I haven't had any sort of rewatched since the first time I saw it. And mm-hmm. I was I felt like I was absorbing a lot more this episode this watch. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, cuz if you look at how much action happens before the beginning opening credits even roll, you're like, "Are you kidding me?" I- like No! (laughs) Jack is dead before we were even, I mean, not even spoilers, spoilers. because it's coming in six minutes, like. So Sam, Dean, and Cass in Jack's room, and and Jack is in his room in his sickbed. Yes, Sam is the one right beside him in bed. He's helping Jack sit up. Um, Cass is standing nearby, and Dean is standing over a record player, and like, my eyes immediately caught on that thing first watch. I I mean it just it 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 the whole scene came in so beautifully because it just read to me as like we just dropped right into this moment where they're they've all been sitting here for hours and hours and and in the recap we got a recap of Rowena saying there's nothing we can do we can just keep him comfortable and be with him yeah as he passes yeah it's coming from the set dressing too not just their presence because we can see like there's the stack of books that is on the shelf like i'm assuming this is dean's record player that he's brought in so that there's music that's available to play like the lights are dimly lit they have an oxygen tank for him it really gives the feeling of like round the clock palliative care that's happening here like i said they've been here for 
hours, if not days, just trying to be there for Jack. And can you just imagine Sam, Dean, and Cass have been sitting here at Jack's bedside and, and Dean has been playing his records and the record runs out on the track and he stands up to change it out and he just kind of loses himself halfway to the record player. He just can't anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Cause we can see Dean's reaching his limit here. And I, I mean, you mentioned hours or days. I really feel it's closer to the hours line because of what we see in the next little bit where, um, Dean calls Mary. Oh yeah. But yeah, what they're doing right now. Oh my, mm, it's, it's rough being in that position when you watch someone that you care about just suffering basically. And there's nothing that you can do besides try and bring them this unattainable comfort. And we drop right in at this breaking moment for Dean where he just, he can't anymore. Yeah. And Jack's the one who's like trying to comfort him right now. Like maybe this is how it's supposed to be. And that's the wrong fucking thing. Like Dean doesn't want to hear that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. He says, don't give me that supposed to be crap. This is not right. And he storms out. Yeah. And Cass kind of chastises him for taking that tone. Like, don't raise your voice at the boy. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and and Cass is the one who follows Dean out of the room while, while Sam is, you know, like you said, he's the one who has sat with Jack at his bedside and Jack says, tell him it's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Sam's little tell him yourself. Yeah, he'll be right back. But Dean is trying to collect himself in the hallway and Cass confronts him. He says, this is hard. Do you, do you think I don't know this is hard? But this isn't about you. He needs you. Exactly. You can't be selfish in this moment as much as you want to like you have to gather yourself and be there for this other person you have to put a pause on your own needs and like dean's looking really forlorn here he punches the wall when he's out in the hall and you can see like it's just on the tip of his tongue to complain about how unfair this is it's like well when has your life ever been fair and it's like yeah that's part of the problem that's part of why this is so hard for him that's what Cass says he says this is what this is unfair this is he's he's echoing dean's own thoughts but he's like tough titties yeah, you can't boohoo right now because that kid right there needs you. Oh my god. And this is two minutes in. I know. Not even. Jack asking, like, what is next for somebody like him? Oh. And Sam just doesn't know. And so Jack, even now, is looking at it with optimism and just like, oh, it's going to be an adventure. And I'm like, I'm uh. dying too. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're crying now. All right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, two minutes in. I know. What's happening? What is happening? I mean, Jack is someone who just cultivates this sense of honesty and not naivety, but like this just genuine innocence, like you're being at a peaceful place in your heart. I mean, to stare into the unknown blank eye of death and be like, what's up ahead there? And it's like, bitch, mm-hmm. you're going to find out because you don't get to say yes or no to what's about to happen to you. Like, And then to be like, okay, well, it'll be okay. <sighs> More fortitude than I have. <laughs> 
I I know. And it's just like, it, it, on Jack, this was such a great shining moment on Jack because it, it's like you said, it's not, it's not ignorance. It's not naivety. It's just this combination of eternal optimism and empathy and like an understanding that like i don't hold you to blame for not having the answers like i i get why there you don't have answers for this it's he's okay so pure he's just so oof 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 okay yeah. so okay. yeah <laughs> okay so we're in the hallway shake it off come shake on let's off. keep going remy so we're in the hallway and Dean has kind of come around to, okay, I have to go back into the room. Mm-hmm. But when he goes in, like he re-enters and Jack's already gone. Yeah. And we can see like Cass looks to Dean at this moment and Dean is just swallowing hard, his jaw is flexing. Like it's it's not easy to swallow what's happened. I know. I mean, and, and you know, we we framed these first two scenes. Um, we're zooming in on Dean's grief right here, uh, where Cass is being Dean's support. Uh, but let's take a moment to applaud Sam and Jared in this scene. Yeah, because it's such a quiet grief that he's going through. But, oh, I mean, we talk about crying when Sam, when uh, Jack is being Jack about this whole thing. It's going to be an adventure. But Sam, oh, he just looked like he just took a gut punch with that one. Oh, he, yeah. Like eyes brimmed with oceans. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And like when they came in and they're like, yeah, Jack's dead. I was like, are you kidding me uh, yeah you haven't even seen the opening cards yet and you just he's, he's dead? dead we just talked like that. about this last episode we said exactly this last episode this was fast this was Ugh. oh my god we went zero to 60 here because this was a cough that has been uh yes a thread through the first few episodes of the season um but it's like two episodes ago at the very end, Jack collapse, and then last episode we do the oh he's having a bad time, and yeah. then by the end of it, it's like put him in hospice, and then open scenes, uh, open scenes, he is dead, he's gone, and yeah, the fact that Jack passed away while Dean and Cass weren't even in the room, like that hits so me hard. I I. I've been there and you just wonder if like you can't be there 24 seven, but the mere fact that you are not there in that one moment that seemingly counts it, it's this unintended burden. Like you just have this guilt that comes through you for not being there in those last moments that you had to take a moment for yourself. And then it just feels so selfish in the end. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean that's what we're told, right? Through through this opening scene with with the Dean and Cass conversation, it's um we have Cass trying to you know pull Dean back in and says this is for Jack, but then it's just all for naught. Yeah, just it's too late, it's and then you late. have to deal with the repercussions, and like that's the thing about death is that you're left with the aftermath, you're left with all the emotions that are just crazy inside of you and you don't know how to parse through and you won't get the chance to parse through because you have all these immediate questions coming up like 
we go to the next scene here where it's the three of them standing in the hall and they're wondering what the next steps are. And the fact that Dean says that they're going to give him like a hunter's style wake because it's what Jack would have wanted. Like giving Jack that seal of approval that he is a hunter in the very end. Like, oh. And, and I mean, okay, so you say that's death, and yeah, that is death, um, but this is the Winchesters, and yes. and we know their relationship with death, and, and yeah, this is the opening scene, and so I'm just sitting here on the edge of my seat, like, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. This next scene, we're like, what's the next steps? What are we going to do? Except that they're in these, you know, in the first half of this episode, in the first 20 minutes of this episode, there is no, what are we going to do? It's just, he's gone. And then parsing through it, watching the characters deal with, he's gone. What do we do? And it it really is so unexpected for this show, for them to really actually be confronted with death as a real thing. And to watch them go through the grief and the tributes that kind of come after it. Because we've seen before, there's been funerals, there's been these scenes where they've had to say goodbye to characters. But this is the first time where it's framed not really as the denouement emotion, but as the inciting one. You know, they've died and now we're moving forward from it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like Charlie's death where we're going to go out and murder a village for vengeance. And it's not like Bobby's death where he died... um, at the hands of the big bad and then uh, his spirit and his uh, a threat of vengeance you know his uh, that's something that carried through the rest of the season where bobby died and it's just like these deaths that we've seen before um the death was an inciting incident uh for the plot, I like, guess. Not, not so. to put too polished a word on it, but that it was like a noble death, that it served ah, yeah. the consequences that the characters were going through. Whereas this, you feel the futility of, you know, of watching a loved one with a terminal illness, watching a loved one who is chronically suffering, and just how helpless it makes you feel. In the other situations that you're describing, like Bobby and Charlie, there is something that you can do afterwards to confront what just happened. But here it's like, we had to let them go because what else were we going to fight? Yeah. It's it's a totally different tone and take on death than we've seen before, I think, in this show. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, what happens next? What happens next? Yes. Yes. What are these next steps? Ugh. So... Yeah, they settle on the idea of doing the Hunter's Wake, and um, Dean holds Cass back from following Sam, who just needs to have his space, according to Dean. Sam walks off, and Cass tries to follow, and just... Cass is just being there for everyone in this situation. It's so hard. It's hard. I mean, he's wanting to hold, like, the four of them close. Like, stay around each other, care for each other. You need each other in this moment. Like, saying that, it makes it feel like Cass is on the peripheral of it, but he's really put himself into this caretaker mode of, I know that you guys aren't okay, and... 
the only way we're going to get through this is if we stick together rather than splinter apart. He's just trying so hard to be there for everyone, and he is the glue in this situation, this whole thing. He, you know, just like Dean walked away and and Cass needed to bring him back in, uh, he wants to do the same thing for Sam, except Dean wants to give him a minute. Wants, yeah. Oh, I know. And he cares about both of them so much. I know. We haven't seen his grief in this episode. It's been him playing the... The oh catch net. You want to talk about Cass's grief? What about when he reunites with Jack? And oh my god, we can talk about it then. But yeah, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Uh, Cass has been trying to hold everything together, um, but he does have his moment to crack. I think so. We'll yes, we'll, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there, guys. Oof. Yeah, he's taking comfort in the role that he can play there. Yeah. And it's just difficult because when do their lives ever stick on script? <sighs> but yeah, so Sam's gone off and Dean is taking the moment to inform the other people in Jack's life. And we watch him leave a message for Mary and just wrapping up like it, it happened so fast. You know, Jack got sick and then he died. Yeah. Uh, like uh- we w- would have got a hold of you sooner and... It was this, this, oof, 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 yeah. oof. Um, so this is something that we've seen a lot of in all of the episodes this season. We talk about how fantastic the writers have been, but this uh, voice message that Dean l- leaves for his mom is just so real. All the emotion here is just so viscerally real. It It's really doing this fine weave of the characters who are on screen with the characters who are not because there has been in the past for Supernatural that sometimes if the guest star or someone who has only a recurring part like Misha or Samantha here, they just are not in an episode and then it's glossed over and that might be fine from like the technical aspect, but as a viewer, it causes frustration of like well yeah. they were just here and that was an important thing that they were just through and so how, how come they're not here now and so just little moments like this like just the voice message being left to mary are things that help build the reality of their situation and make it that much more encompassing absolutely Absolutely. And just the way that the actors also are delivering all these lines and all these emotions. It's just, again, kudos to Misha and Jensen and Jared. They bring so much depth into these lines and these these emotions. So these emotional beats, I should say. Yeah. Mm Yeah, and then the two things that I really caught on that Dean was saying in that message was like, we thought we could fix it, like always. Yeah. And that it would just be really nice to hear your voice. Yeah. Like saying that at the end of his message to That's his mom. Because I'm, I'm thinking again, like, you've just had the specter of death visit your house, and then here is your mother who has been dead for the majority of your life, and you've only just got back. And just, I can imagine that there is this degree of pensiveness that is introduced when you're, because, yeah, when you're faced with someone that you love dying, it just really 
it sandpapers off all of the external parts of yourself. It just shrinks you down into this really dense little core of like what matters in my life and then makes you first fearful of being able to lose it and then grateful for having it. Yeah. And for Dean to have someone to reach out to at all, you know, to to acknowledge this support system that Dean could have. I mean, he he want he's reaching out to his mom and he wants to hear her voice and it's just he's having a hard time and yeah. just the fact that there is someone out there that he can reach out to in moments like these it's so good i mean it's it's powerful yeah that it's not just him and sam as like the two tent poles trying to keep this tent upright they have these other foundations that will help catch them when they're wobbling yeah yeah but while this conversation, or I should say, while this message is being left, Sam has packed up his bag and he is leaving the bunker. And Cass sees Sam going up the stairs and goes out the door. And so Cass goes to find Dean. Yeah. Dean says, where's Sam? And Cass gives him a look and then we cut straight to outside at night. Cass is driving his truck and Dean uh-huh. is in the passenger seat chastising him for letting Sam leave. And Cass is like, you are giving conflicting instructions <laughs> in this moment. Like, give him space. Dean's like, yeah, but like the space is like a six feet radius. Like, just stand <laughs> that far away from him. Don't just let him wander. Yeah, Dean's like, I can't believe you just let him go. And... <laughs> Like Cass, if Cass said. wasn't driving, he would be massaging his temples, like the epic eye roll happening. <laughs> I do love that Cass is driving Dean in this moment, though. Oh, me too. <laughs> and like the episode later in the season, episode fifteen, when Cass is then driving Sam, I'm like, Cass, being the chauffeur, he's come so far. I know. And so Dean is worried. Uh, what could Sam possibly want? We know what Sam could want by going out. That what we're all afraid of. Yeah. And we find Sam sitting outside of the Impala in the middle of a road. And oh shit. Yeah, it's never good to see a Winchester kneeling on gravel. You're just like, uh. <laughs> and yeah, here he is just, he's got his back up against the back tire of the Impala and Dean comes flying out of the truck being like, he want he wants to know if Sam has made a deal. Yeah. And Sam almost looks baffled. Like, that's where your mind went to? Yeah, he says, a, a, de- a deal? What, what are you talking about? No, no, I, no. I just wanted to build a pyre. I wanted to do something. Yeah. We picked our next steps and now I'm putting myself towards it. He wanted to build a pyre and we have some cuts to uh, Sam trying to cut down some trees and his axe breaks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he wasn't even chopping with any particular, like, violence. He he was lashing out a little bit. bit. We're supposed to read into these these flashes to him cutting down these trees for the pyre. He is um, letting out some of his grief here. uh, And the axe breaks and and then he's just, he says to Dean, I couldn't even do that. I just wanted yeah. to do this one thing and I couldn't even do this for Jack. I couldn't save yeah. him and I couldn't even build his fucking pyre. Yeah. I'm, I'm like 
pushes up glasses. It's just another futile tool that they've been trying to use in relation to Jack. We're seeing that all of the efforts that they're putting into just doing something for him, whether it is saving him or just like building him a good pyre, it's not working. And Sam is really just taking that as he hasn't tried hard enough. What good is the spell? What good is all of the lore if we can't save him, you know? Yeah. But, I mean... And then Dean here, he goes, at least you were... At least you were there for him. Oh, no. And they all three, again, support from within. Uh, Mm -hmm. They all three are kind of uh, supporting each other in this moment. They're saying, you know, Dean's trying to make Sam feel better. And Sam's saying, no, you, we were all there for him. You did, we all did the best we could. Yeah. And it's a really nice shot, too. We have the truck on one side and the Impala on the other. And then there's this big, beautiful tree that is, its canopy is at the top of the screen over all of them. So it really just feels like this uniting force, even though they feel so disjointed inside of themselves. They feel really discombobulated with what to do. But as a trio, they, (laughs) Frankenstein's emotional support monster uh, <laughs> but but um dean says tomorrow tomorrow we'll say goodbye tomorrow we'll build that pyre and we'll do it together but tonight <laughs> and, and there and, and sam's kind of nodding along and he's like this is really sage for dean <laughs> <laughs> tonight we get loaded <laughs> I want I want to take just a brief moment here to mention what Cass said. Like the way that Jack's story ended didn't feel right. That they always oh, yeah. thought that he was going on to do something else. But the way that Cass says that the certainty of death felt natural even to angels, but not in this case. I was just like a little bit taken aback by the thought of like, is this just a different way that angels process death as being like, no, that that just happens and you have to be okay with it? Because I was like, that is not the Winchester credence whatsoever. <laughs> well, I mean, for as far as angels go, it's like, uh, you know, angels have lived since the dawn of time. Angels have had their eternity and that's why the empty is what it is. It's it's an eternal rest. Um, uh, angels have had their life and when it comes to its conclusion it's like no matter how the angel died it is a conclusion for them and you know most of them died in battle and war there's there's uh, so few we haven't really were... seen any angel retirement homes exactly exactly we don't see uh, an angel as a child um or you know as like to a child being snatched away cruelly and Mm -hmm. uh before their time and i i don't know i don't know it just goes back to i think jack's death is a different death than the kind of deaths that we've seen before yeah because it didn't come at a puncture wound or a shot it was it was just your body giving out yeah and so I was, I, I was kind of with Cass on this right here. It was like, this just doesn't feel right. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. So like you said, tonight we get loaded. And there is mm-hmm. this montage of Sam, Dean, and Cass drinking and reminiscing. Yeah. And 
They're eating chocolate bars together. They're laughing. They finish off a bottle of booze and they go and get more. <laughs> Cass comes back with double fisting. <laughs> um, they raise their glasses up in salute to Jack and eventually Sam calls it quits and he leaves and Cass is by now drinking straight from the bottle and <laughs> when he goes to leave, Dean is the one who asks in a bleary fashion but yeah we did everything we could right yeah it was an undertone he he was he's speaking into his glass uh he's deep into his cups and he says we did everything we could right as Cass is leaving the room and i i i will choose to believe that Cass didn't hear him wasn't meant to hear him um because Cass just just keeps walking yeah it's just hard because I'm like that angel hearing. Oh, all that I know. Kind of stuff. I know. I felt. I. I was like, no. I was. I was reaching to my TV, calling Cass back. No, comfort I know, don't him. Don't leave him when he's this melancholy. Yes, comfort him. Well, uh, uh, so we end on this melancholy note, right? But this whole dr- little montage, this whole wake um it's actually been very hopeful it has been it has been it was very uh just reminiscent but in a like oh remember the time when we don't hear any words here but we can see we can see in their faces the tone of the conversation which is yeah we can see the smiles we can see the eye crinkles we can see misha break character for a moment when that (laughs) snippet of nuggets hanging out of his mouth yeah i did like the three musketeer bars it was like oh call back to a fandom obsession (laughs) Uh uh, our nougat son um and uh, but we I don't know. As the night wears on, it's it's just it's it's hard. It's it's still a time for grief. Yeah, yeah. The impetus behind the joy has waned, and it's like if it's an ocean wave, then we're rolling back, and we've just left grief on yeah. the ground once again. Yeah, yeah. But but Dean asked, we did everything we could, and he he's thinking, you know, is Jack okay i don't know well it's just he's trying to accept it but those old habits of you know is there something more we can do kind of crop up right right but we cut to heaven right yeah we're (laughs) at skipper's beach cafe and jack is chowing into a burger and i love dean's little like you don't have to inhale it like he's just complaining already Uh uh-huh sam dean and Cass are outside the impala it's a bright sunny day and they are planning a route to Dodge City. And Dean's taking the moment to show him how to read a map. And this is one of Jack's happiest memories in his short, short life, which makes me oh. so sad. Uh, but this is Dodge City. Um, this is the Tombstone, season 13. Yeah. And this is his, one of his happiest times. His whole family, Cass, Sam, Dean, and Jack, all in the Impala, all going to chase down some zombies. <laughs> yeah. Because it was right here that, like, we just got Cass back. Dean's mood has done an 180. He believes in hope again. And so that mood is just infectious around all of them. And they are going out on a case and they're bringing Jack with them. And I, you just just feel the buoyancy yeah you feel the warmth you feel the sunshine on your face like (laughs) 
Until the sun starts spluttering out. Yeah. And Dean glitches a bit in his conversation and Jack, well, Kazawa, um, <laughs> he goes and he leaves his heaven. And he finds that outside the door, that power is surging in the hall as well. And yeah. from a distance, there's some viscous goo that just comes flooding towards him. Yeah. And he and he runs for it. Yeah, you're like, I'm pretty sure that's sus right there. And I was like, uh, well, my only, my only kind of nitpick here is like, oh, well, how uh, did he just walk? Did he know he was in heaven the whole time? Did he just choose to leave? Could he have left whenever? But he only left when, it, some, uh, when his memory started glitching out and there's like something's wrong. I just wonder how aware he was in this mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, because Cass kind of mentions later that he suspects that because of Jack's nature, being half human, half angel, that he was more attuned to the fact that heaven is a construct rather than just a place. And so when he sees it flickering, it would just have clicked for him. Like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and he and he goes out to the hallway and heaven is not having a good time. No, now, did, no. did I... I, of course, know this is the empty, but I I could not project myself back into, you know, November 2018. Did I know this was the empty? Did we know? Did to see that goo? I can't remember if the teasers or if the stingers or anything showed Mm. us. Let's say, let's say, so we know the empty is here. Yeah. Yeah. We know at least that there is a threat inside of heaven because yeah. nothing that moves that way. I mean, nothing that is that that moves is okay. <laughs> yeah. And then when it moves that way, you're like, okay, no, 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 no. I'm going the opposite direction. Goodbye. Yeah. 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 We cut to black on uh, Jack trying to get away from this wave of darkness. Yes. So yeah, back at the bunker, um, Dean is wobbling his way through a wake up oh at the kitchen gosh. table. <laughs> He is not. Oh, my back was hurting just looking at him. Oof. Yeah. He. There's some voices that are coming at a distance, and uh, we'll find out they're coming from the library. And um, Dean's really just caught in mouth in the moment. <laughs> he. Oh shit! I don't like this vertical thing. I'd rather be lying down. Who left him at the table? I feel so bad. Cass. 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 Cass, okay, he was <laughs> drinking bottles again by the end of it. Maybe he was like, I need a lie down. But yeah, Dean Dean got a rude wake up call. Still at the table in the kitchen and he, but he hears voices in the uh, library. Yeah, so he heads out there and then he enters mid-conversation. That is Sam and Cass and this third figure, this older looking woman and Cass is asking if it's possible. And Dean comes in and is basically like, what? Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Dean, this whole scene, just playing catch up. Yeah. And like the grumpy bear again. He's uh-huh. woken up and just isn't really happy to be awake. Uh-huh. But he parses out quickly that, hey, it's Lily Sunder standing here. And the first thing he goes is just, you got old. Yeah. And Lily's just a little, oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, thanks. She came since Sam called her, and Dean, again, is just trying to figure out why everyone's okay with her being here. He's like, well, she tried to kill you, Cass, and Cass's face. I'm aware. He's just like, yeah, I remember, (laughs) and looks over at her with, like, this little, like, chipmunk 
smile that was going on, just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah. in this moment, what I got from Cass, he was like, yeah, Dean, I know. Hey, Lily, don't listen to Basically, him. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to do some kind social etiquette here. Ignore uh-huh. this rude bastard. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dean, don't be rude to our guest. Also, yeah. <laughs> also, maybe she can help. Yeah, yeah. Pay attention. Look at the goal line. Mm-hmm. And so Sam's breaking down that sometime after whiskey number five, he thought <laughs> to look at the angel tablet. And Dean does his name drop here of, well, only prophets can read Kevin's scribbles and Donatello isn't around. So yeah. just reminding us again, it's like the Mary phone call. Oh, yeah, there is this web of characters and these consequences that are still sitting out there. And these relationships. Yeah. 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 Better than consequences. Relationships. <laughs> but but I mean, as far as Donatello and Ke- Kevin goes, I don't think that consequences is the wrong word to pull. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, woof. But Sam says that Lily's the next best thing that they have to a prophet because she's basically an angel expert and she's tapped into their magics. So if they have anyone who could look at this resource, it would be her. Yeah, and this is a resource yet untapped. Uh, yes, and Lily says I can try and and she looks she goes through these leaflets of kevin's old notes and i uh, me my little season eight season nine season ten soul i was like oh my god look oh wait no i can't don't get ahead of myself season uh eight season nine he was dead in season ten sorry guys Uh, yeah rip um but it was it was the same I don't know if it's the same props or if it was just like a recreation of some of Kevin's old notes. But I was like, that grid, that little punnet square is all Kevin and I was like, Kevin. I didn't expect to get Kevin feels from a few pieces of paper. Like, come on. <laughs> His cuneiform notes on the angel tablet, um, and and Lily tries to you know take a look, and she's uh, they're waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Jeopardy music is playing, basically. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, I was just like, if I was in Lily's boat, it's like, okay, I'm gonna rifle through these papers. Then, like, okay, a suitable time has passed. I don't got it, guys. I know. There's no answer here. I know. Dean's like, so? I'm like, Dean, shut up. But Lily says, I I can't. I can't read these. Yeah. These aren't useful, but I know something that might be, and it'll be her magic. And so she runs this idea past them of, you know, we could just use a little snippet, a little tidbit of (laughs) Jack's soul, and Dean just does this hard pass he uh, now I am Dean in this scene though because when it, Lily said I was a bit wary of Lily when she showed up and then um when Lily said I can't read it but and then she starts running down this soul magic this Enochian soul magic and I'm like okay you're being a bit too helpful Lily what's the catch I'm waiting for the catch <laughs> and so is Dean he says oh okay uh huh uh huh all right what do you want. When Lily says, well, not all of his soul, then Sam's the one who's already kind of puzzling through the pieces. Well, how much would you need? And Dean just looks incredulous. I know. That Sam is even considering contemplating. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And now Lily... 
kind of sasses Dean too about like, well, how you so sensitively put it, my daughter died. Like, yeah, yeah. And then he has this moment of he he looks like he feels bad, but he's also processing why. Like he wasn't expecting to feel bad. He, uh, I mean, Dean is definitely on the defensive here because he is being attacked on all fronts. He's got Lily trying to sell this thing, this ritual, this spell that he is like, hell hell no, what is this? What are you talking about? We're not going to sacrifice Jack's soul. We're not going to bring Jack back just to sacrifice his soul. But uh, Sam on his left is, is like hand to his chin, hmm, puzzling it out, like... And, like, not to discredit Cass being there, because who knows how long Sam and Cass have been up, you know? If Sam woke with a start with this thought in mind, like, did he go to Cass and say, you know, this is something that we might possibly do, should I reach out? And, like, I can see Cass being, go for it. And so when Dean comes in, Cass already has one foot in that boat. Um, Sam is sitting a little wobbly in it. And they're like, come on, Lily, you're the captain. Let's go. And Dean's (laughs) like, do not pull off from that fucking dock. We need to talk about where you're going. Again, poor hungover Dean, who's just like fast blinking at the room. Like, what is happening? What are you talking about? This yep. is not, no, I, I, I'm not on board, no. Yeah, but everybody else kind of is. Like, Cass jumps into thinking about what the what the steps would be to make this take place. And he says, well, if Jack is in heaven, then I might be able to pull his soul into his body just for a few seconds. And yeah. Lily's like, yep, that's enough. I could do something with that. And that it would be sufficient to both resurrect Jack as well as cure the condition that he's in. Yeah. Can I get a thank you? And yeah. and this is where this is where Dean says, yeah, you're being oh so very helpful. What do you want? Yeah. He's looking for the price tag. And she's like, oh, well, now that you mention it, <laughs> she Lily wants to trade for a favor, essentially. She wants to get into heaven. And this made me think of our conversation in episode one when we were like, would Nick get into heaven? (laughs) And she's basically said, like, I killed a bunch of angels. And so I don't think that those doors are going to open for me. Right. The angels are going to sit there being nay-nay. Yeah. She said, uh, I I killed a bunch of angels so i don't think they're going to welcome me with open arms and that brought me again yeah like you said straight back to episode one when we were talking about nick would nick go to heaven if he were to die and um, where i landed on it i was like well you know i don't think that heaven would welcome the vessel of lucifer even though it's not his fault his actions were not lucifer's actions but but angels are dicks that way Uh, but here we're told it's no one's it's not heaven's decision it's not hell decisions the demons and the angels don't decide anubis well that's coming up right soon here yeah 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 so once they hear um lily's offer sam and dean are sort of cloistered off on their own while Lily's looking through the rest of the papers, just for shits and giggles, I guess. <laughs> and they're they're really just snagged on this idea of not all of his soul. 
And Dean is just worried about the fact that it is soul related. And Sam is like, of all of us, I kind of get how important it is. Yeah, except you're the one uh, who's who's advocating for it, Sam. Because his axe broke earlier, which was his metaphor for being useful, for being helpful to Jack. He feels like he didn't do enough. And like, here he is with the opportunity to do one thing more. And it's just, I don't know. I'm just firmly in the Dean corner. This is a valid fucking concern, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. But Sam is steamrolling over it. And, and, uh. It's Cass. It's Cass. I'm sitting here like. No, Cass is the one who finds the compromise, which is essentially, they can set up the spell all that they want. But if, if Jack is in heaven and Cass goes to talk to him, it will be Jack's decision whether or not they follow through with this. Yeah. Yeah. Cass is the one that is like, give my boy autonomy. We are not making decisions for him. We are going to tell him what is possible. We'll tell him the consequences of it. And then he can make an informed decision. And, but Dean is still very skeptical. And it's uh, uh, Sam coming in with a low blow. He he, uh, appeals to Dean emotionally, he says, um, to not do this feels like we would just be letting him die all over again. We have to try. Yeah. Just, but Dean is sitting there. Remember that price tag? Yeah, I flipped it over and it's fucking expensive, yo. How do we fulfill our half of the deal? Dean says, uh, well, well, on Jack's side too, Dean says, um... Well, actually, Sam says, this is what we do. We go to the ends of the earth and we try everything that we can and we make the deal. And Dean is just like, um, yeah. And how has that been going for us? I mean, it, it always goes back to bite us in the ass. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And on the other side of it, yeah, Lily's asking for the impossible here. Yeah. And Dean wants Jack back, too, absolutely, but he just doesn't trust the situation that they're in. No. And yeah, Sam says, taking risks, making crappy deals, it's what we do. Like, that whole thing is lampshaded. I'm like, bangs the table this season and the Winchester's relationship with death, it's all over the page. Even when it's not in an explicit situation like this, where a main character has died, we see it with our side characters, we see it with the conflict of how they're dealing with Michael. There is this spotlight that comes in and out of focus, but is constantly hanging over how do the Winchesters deal with death and have they evolved at all in the past 13 years? Now, in the first 10 minutes, I would have said yes, but guess fucking what? They're regressing. It's hard. (laughs) Growth is difficult. Growth is difficult. Uh... So now they're trying to figure out what, Uh, how to get what how would they even go about getting what lily wants yes and so Cass brings up that anubis is the one who decides he's the guardian of the dead and they use justice's feather and figure out where the souls are going and so we have this really quick rundown of like how we are morphing egyptian mythology (laughs) to Uh fit into this very um judeo-christian take on religion as being like god yeah 
Oh yeah, it's hard to it's hard to wrap your mind around a little bit. It's hard to m- mesh those ideas because um, what Cass says is when God left, we needed a judge, and you know we have we we have established that we have these minor gods, and um, Cass is saying. Anubis was the one who was basically elected to be uh, heaven and hell's judge on yeah. on these matters. And I don't know if it was Lily or Dean who was like, Anubis works for heaven. And Cass is very firm, not for heaven, with heaven. Yes. He got tapped. Yes. Yeah. I did like that distinction where, you know, we we have really only established one particular heaven and hell but um i don't know i don't know i i thought that that line there for cast to say he does not work for heaven he works with heaven he is offering his services within his own religion his own faith his own you know i don't know it just it just seemed to me it was like let's not shit on other religions because yeah i I really struggle with how Supernatural chooses to deal with other religions and the gods and demigods because they tend to get brought in as monsters of the week. Whereas yeah. I'm like, like pulls uh. the collar away from my throat. Are you sure that's what you want to do with like these other religious figures? These yeah. mythological Yeah, makes me want to go like read some Neil Gaiman, American Gods or <sighs> let's do modern theology a li- with a, a little right i don't know yeah well and like you say the distinction that he works with heaven it it just does a little bit of separation between the idea of this christian behemoth that is the backstory area of supernatural and it keeps it from gobbling up these other religious areas yeah. of the world so I'm still sitting here like, I don't ever like when they bring up gods and goddesses, but at least you guys are trying not to throw salt in the wood. Like, mm-hmm. I guess you can have a cookie crumb for that. <laughs> They're doing the best they can. The right, I mean, Meredith, you're doing the best you yeah. can. And uh, it's, uh, it just sits here in me as more like, anytime we cross that territory, I get a little sketch. But we have Anubis, who is the judge of souls um, for for all souls. And no, the angels don't decide. St. Peter is not standing at that gate. Uh, and, 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 the, and the demons of hell do not, if you haven't made a deal, they don't just decide who to drag down. Um, there is a system in place, a unbiased um, system in place where, uh, Anubis is the scale upon which your soul is weighed. And so we go from that scene now to this idyllic garden where this little girl is playing with her dog. Yeah. And, and I pinged it as, as, as Kelly right away, but I was like, oh, where's Jack? Yeah, basically. Uh Uh-huh. She is throwing the ball and she tosses it off into these trees and the dog goes to fetch it, but the dog doesn't come back. And so she's calling after Roosevelt. (laughs) And then Jack approaches with the dog and he's looking wistful. Yeah. And he approaches Kelly 
and he kneels. Uh, Kelly's still as a as a child, a young child, and he kneels at um Kelly's feet, and he says, "Uh, well, actually, that sounds that sounds more like a supplication." No, he just uh, uh <laughs> extends a sword out to her. <laughs> he approaches Kelly, and he kneels down to eye level, and he says, "Um, I'm Jack. I'm your son." Mm-hmm. and the young girl is confused and the next that we cut to her it she's not a young girl anymore she's kelly kelly yeah. i miss yeah. you kelly hi and she's also has this moment of confusion she says jack yeah the camera kind of swivels behind jack's head and it changes her from a young girl into the kelly that we know and at first she's just so happy and she hugs jack and she puts her hands in his hair and oh my god a surprise like you were just a baby and jack goes well i grew up yeah, and she says, what what happened? And Jack heartbreakingly has to remind her, well, well, you died. And Yeah, she places herself very slowly. And when Jack confirms it's heaven, he looks sad to inform her of this. Yeah, and, and Kelly is still a bit joyous. Like, yeah, oh, she's it's overwhelmed. Okay. Um. Because she just has so much joy right now. I know. And like you said, Jack is reluctant to, you know, reveal to her, like, hey, no, you died. You're dead. And But she's okay with that. She And you know what really struck me? She said, well, Jack said, you died. And she says, the day you were born. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't like... She said, I wish I had wrote down the quote. She said, I, the way that she worded it was what was striking. She said, I died the day you were born. Not I was killed or I, I don't know. The way that she said it and the words that she chose to say it, it just. uh, There was no blame associated with it. It was just a statement of fact. Right. I died the day that you were born. Because you see so much fear in Jack in this moment. Like, I killed you. Um but but Kelly does not see it that way. I almost took some of Jack's apprehension because um, there was going to be this bubble popped. Like, she's so happy to see him. And that overwhelming joy she has, it sours quickly and she gets really sad and she just starts going like, no, 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 no. Oh my because God. if she's in heaven and Jack's here, then... She has this dawning moment of realization. She's like, yeah. but what what are you doing here? And then she says, no, 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 baby, no, no. Yeah. Castiel was supposed to take care of you. She's she's like framing his his face in her hands and she's just so, so loving and desperate and just uh, so much emotion in this scene. So much emotion in this scene and whoops, I'm crying again. Okay. Oh. I I loved that we got this reunion, albeit heartbreaking, because yeah. the absence of Kelly in Jack's life is such a heavy shadow that is carried with him. Like, when we were in the first scene and Jack had just passed away, um, Sam went and packed his bag, Dean was leaving voice messages, and Cass was beside Jack's bed and he picked up Kelly's photo and was... There is that weight of his promise to her and the fact that he failed. 
Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. She, here she is on the other side. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, Kelly said, yeah, <laughs> and Kelly said, no, Cass was supposed to, Castiel was supposed to take care of you. And uh, she doesn't even complete that thought because Jack cuts her off and he says, I did. He did. He yeah. did. He's trying to reassert, sure, Kelly, he says, uh, Cass, Sam, and Dean, they did the absolute best they could. Yeah, and it just didn't go as planned. Yeah. And he had to come here to see if she's okay. And so Kelly asks, what's wrong? Right. And, I mean, I can see from Jack's perspective, okay, you just left your heaven. You're wandering the halls. You could do, like, whatever reunions, and granted, he really only has one on the table. But the fact that he saw that shadow in the hallway, his first thing was to go and find Kelly and make sure she was safe. Right, right. It wasn't get away or get out or it was just uh, if heaven's in trouble then my mother is here yeah and we're gonna check in yeah he is still being protective about his family even post death like yeah yeah good boy yeah well um well yeah so kelly asks what's wrong and and dean i mean uh and jack looks pensive yes and we're left on that note there mm-hmm. with them. And the next scene, Lily is handing over the notes of what she's written out that Jack's got to do once he resurrects. And um, we covered the conversation that happened between Sam and Dean here. And just the fact that Dean is still sitting there. And although he could be on board with maybe the results, he still doesn't trust the source of what is happening. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he has the whole picture yet. No. Uh, Cass comes in and he says that all the gates to heaven are open and that angel radio is sending out a distress signal. Dean standing there. He's just like, awesome. The fuck does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I loved I loved every reaction in this uh, scene where. Cass comes in. He says he like puts a hand on the war ta- on the war table, and he's like, "All of Heaven's Gates are open, and Angel Radio is one big distress signal." And he's just looking at them like, "Well," and Dean's looking back like, "Well, cool. What does that mean?" Let me just pencil that in, okay? We'll deal with that in half an hour. Oh my god! And and Cass is just like, I. I don't know, but I have to go. And... Well, Sam says to Cass, go check it out. Ugh. And they'll pray when they're ready. You know, yeah. Cass has got to go to heaven anyways, but now he just has further incentive to, you know, if we're on the clock, if we're getting all the, these ducks <laughs> in a row, then like, please go and figure out what is causing distress in heaven, especially if you got to be there. <laughs> well, I mean, also, I, I assume there's some worry for Jack in all of this, like, Jack dies, heaven bursts fucking open, and there's a distress signal going out. Like, if that's where Jack is, let's talk about, I mean, we we talked about Jack and Kelly. Jack goes to check on Kelly. Like, what are the Winchesters thinking in this moment? Well, we, we, we need to go to Jack. Yeah. Just, like, shut down the worry with regards to heaven and just hone in on the what it means for their loved ones. And if Jack is indeed in heaven, then there's going to be a threat against him. Yeah. Cass on a mission. 
Yeah. And then the next scene is them doing this fucking painting on hardwood. <laughs> they have their little red mystical paint. Uh-huh. And they are just... It's red slapperdashing oh, that down on the hardwood. It's seen worse. That floor seen worse. We know it. We- <laughs> are they doing upkeep? They gotta be. Or How do they have in the middle of the library too? I mean, come on. I was like, you guys need to invest in like drop cloths and just paint on the tarps, like. Hey, uh, Sam's got a whole hunter hub now. He's got plenty of uh, indentured labor if he so chooses. You think? <laughs> Go got, draw in the dirt. I don't know. Just... He's got a maid service. We've got it. They've got a chore. <laughs> they've got a chore uh, calendar on the refrigerator. Oh, the, spin the chore wheel, and uh-huh. it's like, okay, Maggie, it's your turn to do the dishes. And she's like, I had it last week. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. and so they're laying out the summoning, uh, yes. the summoning circle, and uh, Sam. Uh, is all <laughs> the least subtle bastard right now. Oh my right god. Now. I know, right? So in the in the talk right before this with Sam and Dean, Sam was like just, just we have to try this. It we have to try. So y- you know what? You're not on board, get on board. And 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 at this point we're framing Dean's biggest hang up to be his distrust in Lily. Um so Yeah, we've worn off we've eroded all of his other concerns. Uh-huh. Now okay, if we get you over this one, then we've got you into the golden mile. Unsubtle Sam is unsubtle and he says, So I got uh there's just one more thing we need. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get yeah. that. I'm I'm gonna go to the place and grab the thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And as he's leaving the library, he shoots uh, Dina. Look, and he looks at Lily like, freaking figure yourself out. Let's go. Yeah. And I'm like, you're not being subtle. Uh-huh. Lily can see you doing this. So <laughs> Lily's like, great. I'm entering like the worst counseling session of my life. Upcoming here. Neither oh one gosh. of us are therapists. Like. And also, like, neither one wants to have this talk, like... No. But Dean is the one who calls Lily out. Yeah, he kind of extends the olive branch and says, well, maybe we got off to a bad start. And Lily is like, okay, yeah, that's enough feelings for now. Like, I accept your apology. Except Lily's apology accepted, and Dean's like, but... Something's still not fitting right. Yeah. You were Alicia Witt two seasons ago. (laughs) And now you're not. So why are you stopping using your magic? You know, why are you growing old? Because if you have a reason why you're not using that magic anymore, then why the fuck would we trust you to put some whammy on Jack? Right, right, right. If this this magic is so... uh, kosher then why did you stop using it this is what's not adding up in my brain if this is so if this is safe for jack then why um are you letting yourself die rather than use this magic that you're proposing that we thrust onto jack and lily is just you insensitive fucking bastard yeah and well it's not just um what is the loopholes there it's if lily is so afraid of going to hell then why Ah, would she even risk dying you know if you have this spell that lets you just keep yourself alive why would you stop that and risk hell 
Exactly. You know, so it, it's on both sides there. It's like either the magic is doing something bad or you have some ulterior motives behind this that you're not telling us. Yeah. And Lily says, you want my ulterior motives? How about the fact that I, a hundred years ago, I struck out on this revenge mission where I swore to myself that no matter what it took, I would kill Ephraim. Oof, oof. I remembered. Oof. oof. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I was doing a little victory dance. I was like, I I was just going to say, I hate to cut your victory lap short. (laughs) Oh, no. I was so proud of myself. Fuck. It's okay. I'll cut this out. I'll cut this out. Say Isham really clearly. I'll dub it in. I don't need your charity. (laughs) Yeah, so we... Anyways, um... So she said, I swore on everything that I am that I would not stop until I got revenge for the death of my daughter. Isham took my daughter from me and I knew that even if it took my whole soul, even if it took every last part of me, I would kill Isham no matter what. And I did kill Isham, except that it didn't burn my whole soul. I still have a sliver of it left, a whisper of my true self. Uh, I didn't spend all that I am on revenge. And if my daughter, my beautiful, beautiful young girl, is... <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting really, like, into this little monologue going on here. <laughs> um, if my daughter... Not if. <laughs> my daughter May is yeah. in heaven. Right, And right. if I have a chance of reuniting with her, I have to take it. Yes, yes. And... This is my chance, and if I can't, if I do use the magic anymore, then um, I'm not going to burn my chance to be with my daughter in heaven. Remy? Yes. Start start my 20 seconds counter on John Fields for a second. <laughs> okay. 20. Tell me when it's running. 19. But, okay, 18. so essentially <laughs> what Lily did was she had a vengeance plot and she threw herself 100% into it, not expecting to come out of it alive. 12, and 11, so the consequences 10. that... Ca- I'm still talking about <laughs> Lily. You can't count this yet. I was warning you. So when you throw yourself in 100% and you are expecting certain death, you are expecting annihilation, it leaves you to not have to deal with the consequences of your actions. And now, 22nd time, John was also someone we can see the storyline for him ended in his death because could you imagine the storyline where he beats yellow eyes and then has to deal with the repercussions of raising his kids for 20 odd years in the light that he did and moving forward into a new way like there is such a different approach to your goals when you don't expect to make it out alive and so here Lily is she has to change tactics after spending 100 years on one path and go oh shit there are consequences to what i did exactly now that vengeance is done what do i do in the lull of quiet that comes after it 
we had a very similar sentiment just three episodes ago with um uh uh, uh nightmare logic um where Bobby, he threw himself into the war that killed his son, and he never expected to make it out of it alive. And then when he did, he he similarly similarly was struggling on what's next. What it, can I live my life from here when I mm-hmm. was yes going operating on this foregone conclusion of what I thought my life would be. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lily. It's the same. It's the same for Lily here. She's like, I, I would have given everything to complete my mission to to get revenge for the death of my daughter. And I was planning on giving everything, but and now, the fact that that didn't happen means exactly. now I have to have a new plan. So, oh my god, I so hope that you edited out like 80% of the bullshit I just spouted on Lily. But, because you said it so much better. <laughs> come on. Ah, come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is that is where Lily's coming from here. She is saying that um, I stopped using my magic not because it was destroying me. I stopped using my magic because it, it was my only chance at yeah, salvation because i am not destroyed yes yes and so she defiantly glares up at dean and she says are you happy now is this is that satisfactory for you yeah and the i mean the parallels aren't really happening yet albeit all through the the episode they are but the <laughs> fact that she is sitting here saying like i have the chance to reunite with my child and i'm going for it isn't that the same as what you're doing basically right 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 exactly like you are throwing all in on this you have to trust me when i say i am doing the same thing yep yep and we have Cass in heaven Cass is the hello hello is anybody there oh my god (laughs) and there's black puddles all over heaven you know it's not good. Like, you yeah. don't spring oil leaks in heaven, okay? Right, And right. then there's a dead angel lying there. It's Isuriel, and Duba's also there, and she revives as Castiel approaches, and she's retching, and yeah. Cass asks what happened, and she just doesn't know. It went black. And then when this thing touched her, like, her vision was gone. She fucking blacked out. Yeah, yeah. And and Cass says, I have to go find Jack. Yeah. Um, I don't have time to sit here. You're okay, right? Do you need a aw. cookie? And she's like, no, do not leave me alone. Right, right. Oh, I felt so bad for Duma in this moment. She was like, what? Because she, Duma, I, I okay. This is the first time that we've seen Duma this season. Okay, so this is our first hi Duma thoughts as the <laughs> being Duma. Remy of yeah. Mm-hmm. The angel of dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I like Duma a lot and um I I was very I was feeling for her here and when she said don't leave me alone basically can i come with you i was like oh oh my heart because she just she just she cares so much and she was in the last season she was so concerned about the uh, the diminishing number of angels and the fall of heaven and and for her to wake up um and to see one of her 
last brother's uh, dead next to her. I was yes. just like, fuck. Yeah, honestly. And here is another, like, one of your last living brothers who has not shown himself to be 100% on your side. Like, he's not in your cause, although he understands your plight and can sympathize. And she still reaches out to him as being, like, the lo- the touchstone here for trying to keep comfort. Like, you just right. had this black, ominous wave sweep through heaven, and it knocked an angel unconscious. And it could happen again at any moment. And it's just like, if these are my last moments, I don't want to be alone. Ugh. So, Cass takes Dumon with him as he's searching for Jack. Yeah, they go to Jack's heaven, but he's already left, and mm-hmm. Naomi shows up. Naomi! Bum, bum, bum. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, bum 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 is more appropriate than the three exclamation points I had next to Naomi's <laughs> name here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi shows up to say Jack's yes, already gone. I love that we got her back, too. Yeah, yeah. That was a pleasant surprise. Yes, yes. His Jack's angel side knew that this was heaven. And so Duma asks what's happening. Like, she's deferring to her leader, looking to see what is going on in heaven. And Naomi says that it stormed the gates and it's defeated their defenses. And she reveals that it's the shadow that rules the empty. Yeah. I mean, this is a nightmare uh, for Cass, right? He's now confronting the monster of his dreams in heaven. Yeah. And Naomi essentially drops the information here that the empty has called dibs on Jack and she wants to give him over. They don't have a choice because if heaven falls, then that 46 odd billion souls are going to be cast to the wind. And here she finally says to Cass, like, help me. And Cass is just like, fuck, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I'm going to find Jack. Yeah. And then Naomi all of a sudden is overtaken by the shadow. And Cass is like, bail out, goodbye. (laughs) Hey, to be fair, Naomi does tell him to run. Yeah, but still, like, he has zero hesitation. Like, no, no, we can save you. No, 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 (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) So then back to the bunker. Yes. Okay, so Sam is reciting the spell work. Dean and... Lily are running the steps that are part of the spell. Um, Lily's blood is used in the summoning, and then Anubis appears in this kind of plaid suit, this tweed suit, and goes, oh, the Brothers Winchester. Your files have come across (laughs) my desk many times. And Sam says, oh, we've died, but we've never met you. Yeah. And so we get another quick glimpse into the way that the show is blending the mythos of Egypt with um, Christianity here. And essentially that death and her reapers do all the FaceTime, but Anubis is the paperwork in the background. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's just pushing papers. He's sorting those files. Yeah. Just making sure all the trains are running on time, basically. Mm-hmm. And he cuts to the chase, asking what they want, and they explain the situation with Lily. And he kind of goes, well, that's against protocol, but, I mean, we're here anyways, so... 
I did like him a lot. Let's let's say let's take a little break and just say like I yes. am instantly in love with this character. I really dug him too. Yeah, yeah. He was a very compelling and affable and just uh I don't know. I, I don't know. He he there was a draw to him and I was like, "Oh, I'm here for it." And I like comparing him against the thought of his father, you know, Osiris that we saw in season seven was kind of this overdramatic guy and like (laughs) would just pick people at random and be like, okay, deal your dirty laundry and then get, there was a lot of showmanship. There was a lot of um, performance that was going on with the judgments being passed there where here we have Anubis and he's, no, I, I sit in my office and it's quiet time and i mean I do you do you want me to like get into okay 20 seconds of thoughts 20 seconds um, um <laughs> so when osiris was passed over for this you know, judge of heaven and hell for his son then osiris was put out of a job and osiris got to just have uh, millennia all this millennia of living his life until you know he didn't have his followers anymore he didn't have a name um on the lips of worship worshipers and he kind of devolved into a monster of the week right because he wasn't judge of heaven and hell anymore. He was just someone who could pick a rando off the street and and eat his heart. And ruin their day. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's just so I don't know. If we want to try to tie this into some bigger mythos, um, hammer of the gods, these gods work off of a currency of worship. And when they don't have worship, they don't have strength. And is that a supernatural thing or is that a good omens thing? Or uh, not good omens? Sorry. American is gods. American gods. <laughs> um Long story short, Hammer of the Gods did put down some foundations like, um, I have power because I was granted power by my worshippers. Okay. It's, I don't know. Also, that's kind of just my default on, like, modern gods. Yeah. Yeah. So, Abacus. Oh, oh, yeah. Anubis Anubis opens up his briefcase and he's like, what, you expecting, like, the scales of justice shit? Yeah. No. We have Abacus here and Lily is told to hold her hand over it, but it clacks to black and he's basically mm. like, I'm sorry. And yeah. Sam is immediately like, nope, we can't accept this. Change it. Yeah. And this is when Anubis reveals that, oh, I don't have authority over your uh, the weight of your soul. Heaven doesn't have authority over the weight of your soul. Um Hell only has authority over the weight of your soul if you were to sell it to them. Um, but you and only you define your worth. Yeah. It's up to people's choices. It's very the good place on oh, this yeah. that at the moment of your death, your deeds are tallied. And then that's when it's determined. Like, you, it's on you, basically, wherever you're going. So... Lily Lily Sunder has a lot of regrets now. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Dadum cha. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
god. Okay. It was okay. bad. Okay. Let's oh, no, that was great. That was glorious. That was beautiful. Ugh. My okay. only, yeah, my only thing on this is like, um, it is a subversion of the canon up to this point, you know? Um, this is something that Sam and Dean didn't know. The Winchesters didn't know about the nature of death and, you know, where is your soul, what determines where your soul is going. Yes. Um, because we li- like, we've had all these throwaway lines about, you know, talk shit, get hit, go to hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or, um, you know, the dick angels upstairs will bar you passage, but to have Anubis here saying, no, your soul is just the sum of your decisions and that is free will, but, uh, it's, it's different. It's, it's like I said, it's it's a subversion of the narrative as we've had it so far as we've been fed it so far but yeah yeah and it gives us a chance to think about you know what's it going to mean when our characters pass away no fuck you oh we're not thinking about don't worry but it gives you the chance (laughs) no 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 so in heaven yeah in heaven okay back in heaven Yes. So Cass and Duma go to find Kelly's heaven. And Cass is saying, like, I know him. He'll be here. Yeah. And sure enough, Jack and Kelly have barricaded themselves indoors. Like, Kelly's, what's wrong? Jack's like, get inside. Like, basically zombie invasion rules. And um, he is already speaking about how he's going to protect her. Like, he'll distract them so that she can run. And she smiles just so endeared, and she says that she's not going anywhere. Yeah. But Jack hears Cass's voice outside, and so Jack opens the door, and Cass just, like, brims with this oh laugh God. almost, and this gives him this moment. tight hug. This is the moment when we see... The true reveal of Cass's own feelings on Jack's death. I mean, when Jack actually died, uh, 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 Cass was sheltering himself in this role of uh, making sure that Sam and Dean were okay. But here to have Jack open the door and Cass to be confronted with his dead son. Yeah. And, and, and Cass didn't even know if Jack would even be in heaven. Exactly. There was that uncertainty. And so in this moment, like he gets to heaven. Okay. Jack's here. Jack's in danger. And now he gets to see Jack. And Jack is safe. It's just monumental relief and uh, grief. It's, it, I, I mean, it, it, Cass seems very happy in this moment to be reunited with Jack, except that it is just an opening of the floodgates of this is everything that Cass had been holding in, I feel, up to this point. Yeah, that to have this much joy upon reunion, you could think about the cavity in his chest where jack's absence sits exactly and and this this hug was so good and then it might then have been one two punch it gets so much better like and then and then Cass turns to kelly yeah. and and kelly draws him and again there's just so much love there's so much warmth love and warmth 
in in both of their faces and Ke- Kelly draws Cass into a hug and and he Cass! just goes apologizing. The Cass! first thing he does is apologize and say I failed you. And here we can see that Kelly insisting, no, you like you didn't. Jack is wonderful. This is a level of emotion that we very, very rarely see from Cass, and I am here for it. For Cass to tuck himself into Kelly's shoulder and to just say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. It's just like, oh, oh, we're here. <laughs> oh, is this? That is was this- a stiletto through my ribs. <laughs> I'm bleeding. It's fine, though. I'm happy. Cry number three. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> oh, woof. Yeah, and also that little insight to the fact that, okay, Jack and Kelly might have bunkered themselves in here, but they've been talking and getting to know one another. Oh, I know. I'm like stumbling over my words with how much emotion. Just, they get an actual chance to bond. Yes, they've been. Uh, again, it's just there's so much joy in this moment for Jack to say to Cass, like, yeah, we're good. We're okay. We're safe. We've been getting to know one another. Um, it's been good. And and it's for Kelly to uh, turn to Cass and say, he is a remarkable boy. And oh. you did a good job. Proud it's just- parents. I know, and for Cass, it's we talked about his guilt and grief um, for having failed Kelly, um, but this is the absolution for Cass. Yeah, yeah, he can take that weight off of his shoulders. He's unshackled from that guilt. I yes, and Cass enters into the quick one-two rundown of Jack. This is why I'm here. Yes. Cass says that they can bring Jack home, but they'll need to draw on Jack's soul in order to do it. And um, right away, Kelly's not uh, oh, keen yeah. on this. She's saying that like, it's too much of a risk. But Cass brings up the fact that it's not only Jack's life at stake here, because heaven is in trouble. And Cass does a quick explanation that angels don't go to heaven. Um, they go to the empty instead. And if Jack is half angel, half human then this entity is coming after Jack, but it will leave if it has Jack or if Jack is alive. Yeah. Basically, Jack, you are currently um, up for grabs. Yeah, you're the linchpin in this moment. Right, right. But if we remove you from this equation, if if you are no longer... um, if the empty no longer has a claim, aka you are alive, then we can put a stop to all of this. And and uh, Duma, who we haven't seen so far in this scene, but Duma says that's smart, clever, yeah, and just the tone of voice—it's a yeah. little a little shiver, and you're like, okay, what happened here? And sure enough, Duma's approaching, and she has been possessed by the shadow. Yes, yes. So dun-dun-dun. Uh-huh. To the bunker. Sam, <laughs> Dean, and Lily are going through the cleanup, and Sam is still doing his best to follow through on getting Jack back and saying, you know, you could still do the spell 
And she's kind of like, fuck that. I'm leaving. That wasn't the deal. If you can't help me, I can't help you. Yeah. That price tag, it's attached. You guys saw it. You know it's there. Yeah. Yeah. She says, I have to go. And Dean stands up and he says, well, Sam's little, he's our kid. Yeah. Oh, my God. And still Lily wants to leave. Right, right, right. But uh, Dean basically says, you monster. You must be a monster. There is no humanity left in you. Because if there was, there is no way in any universe that you would allow others to experience this loss. That you yourself experience this pain. Yeah. When there's something in your power that you could do to prevent it. Yes. And it made me think back to when we were talking about optimism, that there's the two approaches that you can have to a situation, you know? I went through this, so I want other people to have to suffer it. Or I went through this, and I don't want anyone to have to go through this. And Dean is the one that sits more on the protecting people from going through the terrible situations he's been in. And here he is accusing Lily of being on the other side of the equation. Equation, You know, yeah. you climbed that ladder and then you pulled it out from under you. Why can't you give us a hand? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the same thing on Dean. Um, like we said early in this episode, Dean uh, is feeling this is unfair Well, Dean started off being not at all on this page, and they've worn him down, they won him over, and now he's like, wait, all of that work, and now you're telling me, okay, just kidding, we're not following through? Yeah. So yeah, the fact that Dean is someone who tries to protect people from going through these situations, and Lily's like, you know, you're on your own, two middle fingers way up, that just draws the line there for Dean, you're inhuman. Yeah, yeah, because no one with any shred of humanity could possibly um, think that this is okay. No one with a shred of humanity could have the solution to bringing back a dead kid and be like, well, you didn't get my half of the deal. Bye, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're on that real tense note, and we jump back to the other tense note Uh of being in heaven with the empty. The Empty is stepping forward towards Kelly, Jack, and Cass. And Kelly goes right in front of Jack and Cass prowls forward. Yes, yes. This whole scene is so good. It's so good. It's so good. And the actress who plays Duma, the way that she plays Duma possessed by the Entity. Uh Uh-huh. Hot damn. Just call it the Empty. I'm going to call it the Empty. Just (laughs) FYI. Okay, yeah. And so the empty is just going like, the angels are mine. And when Jack or Cass or Kelly, if any of them try to talk, she immediately screams like, stop interrupting. Start paying attention. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I know. Shadow Duma was killing it. So good. And, and you know, <laughs> it, 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 on a bit of a humorous note, it brought me back to when we knew this episode was airing and we knew that uh, that some other actor or actress was going to be playing the empty. And yeah. coming off of what Misha did with the empty, with the entity. The fucking accent. Yeah. 
yeah, we were like, how the hell is anyone going to take that and adapt that into, like, their own... Something scary. The Empty, right? Like, how on earth it like basically misha you just screwed over anyone and everyone who ever tries to play the empty beyond this point so we were like what is this even going to look like what is the empty going to be outside of misha collins and for the duma actress uh so sorry we don't know your name i beg forgiveness because i love you so much um she's so good She's so good. She knocked it out of the park. She brought a manicness to it that just translated so well on and onto the character of the empty. And she uh, just her her body ticks. <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to call it body language, but her mannerisms and her uh, just the crazy eyes. But it was good. It was good. Erica Sarah. Erica Sarah, good job. Thumbs up. Hell yeah. Because it's like you're saying, to have Misha's almost comical accent and little, like, oh, really? Like, just the way that it was going. Like, how do you find terror? How do you make this into a threat against heaven? And Erica here fucking sold it. Slam dunk. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. She's killing it. And, um... The, just you talk about chilling you talk about terror shouting followed by whispers i'm like oh no decibel range i don't like it and um she's looking at jack and kelly and she's saying jack you're coming with me now and she kind of darts a look to i'm i'm whispering into the mic now because <sighs> it's like we're ramping up the tension she darts a look to cast and she says, oh, they look so scared. And, but she's taking joy in it. Yeah. Does it hurt you? And she says, does it hurt you? And Cass just has this like slap to the fucking face moment of realization that she is taking so much joy in the fact that this to take Jack away, to terrify these people that she cares about. Um, it is, it is, it is... Uh, hurting it's chilling it's chilling and it's a threat over Cass. maybe even the entity will care more about Cass than than it does about taking jack taking jack away is just something that is is hurting Cass. and there's these long-standing resentments here uh between well, Cass and the entity i know it's like it's like a it's a coin of two heads a little bit or two, two sides, sides. Of the same coin. yeah okay so the entity was asleep and then woke up because of Cass's annoyance and i guess has gotten increasingly irate since waking up and just the way that it is phrasing the empty saying, where I'm taking you is worse than hell. At least hell is something. And like, I feel like there is this overarching relishing in causing this chaos, this pain. I think that the fact that it is involving Cass and his loved ones is just icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I just didn't know to read it as, because like I said, there was that moment of realization on Cass's face. So it invited me to think like, what is, 
the entity really here for? Is it here for Jack or is it here for Cass? Um, but like you said, the entity was awoken by Cass and it, it does not seem like it has gotten back to sleep. And that growing uh, irateness, like you said, that is something that I absolutely would see to be a rivalry or a, a grudge. Well, 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 a that I'm just all I can think is the man, the mania in the entity's mannerisms and the maliciousness see the mania i attribute to the fact that this is something that has been on its own since the dawning of time and has had quiet charges and it's had such a long stretch of quiet that it was able to fall asleep so i'm like this is something that has been on its own i'm like you get a little stir crazy you get a little cabin crazy and, but now there's a maliciousness in it that we, you know, we didn't even really see uh, in our first introduction to the empty when it was trying to reason with Cass, go back to sleep. We saw that mania, but we didn't see that maliciousness. Yeah, I I just feel like the absence of maliciousness on that first approach was because the empty figured it had the upper hand. And yeah. then when Cass wouldn't kowtow, then that became the th- the kernel that would seed this resentment. Talk about having the upper hand. Now that Cass is alive, now that the entity let Cass go, Cass, uh, the entity has no domain over Castiel as he is now. Like, the entity can't do jack shit to Castiel. That! Talk about a seed of resentment. Is that true, though? Because Zuriel lying on the ground there, was Zuriel dead? Because we seem to get the feeling from Duma that he was. Yeah, but the entity obviously has no interest in killing Cass. The the joy is not in killing Cass. The joy is in making Cass suffer. Um, So we have Cass charges at... Uh, Duma as the empty and he is no match for her. No. Fucking does tick on three kicks through the air gets thrown aside <laughs> and even Kelly comes up while the empty is kicking Cass and the empty throws Kelly as well and it's at this moment that Cass hears Dean's prayer basically saying that they have Jack's body prepped and Lily She's she kisses her daughter's little photo in the little tableau, yeah. and um, Cass knows that now is the time if they're going to save Jack. Yeah, Dean prays to say, if "We're ready when you are. I hope you're ready." Amen. <laughs> I like this little amen at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so Jack now. Okay, you you tossed Cass. You co- tossed Kelly. Jack steps in to fight the empty, but the empty grabs a hand around Jack's neck starts choking him and Cass goes on a different tactic and decides to strike a deal. He'll go in Jack's stead. Take me, he says. um, I'm the one who woke you up. Take me in his stead. Yeah, I'm the one you really want. And the empty is, again, I just am, it it, chills down my spine over uh, this actress who... Yeah, Erica's delivery here. (sighs) Oh my god, okay. (laughs) I don't even know. Uh, Obviously, I'm having a bit of a feel right here. 
<laughs> because we are making a deal. We are sacrificing ourselves for the ones that we love. He says, um, take me. And the entity says, but you're already mine. I don't need y- anything from you. You already belong to me. Mm-hmm. And Cass says, not now. Not eons until there could be eons until i die i'm a mortal bitch (laughs) yeah but i can go now willingly if you'll accept this and yeah the empty just goes deal oh my god yeah yeah and instantly see i won't get into what was Cass's master plan here he expected to be taken by the entity right here right now and then what was jack gonna do uh stay in heaven with his mom oh oh no oh no oh no like he was genuinely like (laughs) i'll go now if you keep my kid alive give up your dominion of jack he already has a heaven here he has a place let him stay with his mom Oh my god! Yeah, heaven versus the empty. It just seemed like Jack Cass couldn't have if the empty had taken Cass at that moment. Cass couldn't have brought Jack back to life, but he, you know, he would empty- protect Jack from the fate of the empty, yeah. which the empty just said is worse than hell. Exactly, exactly. And Cass oh is like, god. I go, I, I call dibs on that seat. Oh, you my can't god. let Jack sit in it. I'm gonna sit in it. Yeah. Oh my god. And the empty says, "Oh no, no, no. No, 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 no." Good. Now. But I'm tacking on some clauses. Hmm. No, I won't take you now. I want you to go back to your life. I want you to forget about me. I want to, you to forget about this and it is only when you are at your happiest when you let mm, the sun when you shine. give yourself permission to be happy. Cuz mm. I feel like there's this obsession with when Cass is happy, I'm like, no, it was when you give yourself permission to be happy. Oh, my God. You're like, so there, there's a that difference is an there. Important, it is. It is. That is an important distinction. It's not his happy moments. It's when he, uh, she says, I want you to forget about me. I want you to, for- to forget about this. And it's when you give yourself permission to be happy. Because it will always be a shadow in his mind that that this yeah, empty deal. this deal is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only when you are truly at your most content that yeah. I will snatch it away from well, you. Well, when you think you're free. When oh you God. are living your life as if you are free. That's Be- when I want to come. St- stop, stop. You're making me so nervous for season 15. <laughs> oh, my God. When is he going to have a moment when he forgets about the deal? Anyway. Shh, shh. Cass oh accepts. God. Cass says, okay, yeah. And then Duma collapses. The empty leaves goes straight up through that ceiling vent. Oh, my God. And Duma's disoriented. And Jack is just like, why? Not in that yeah. tone of voice. That's more me bleeding in. But <laughs> Jack says, why would you do that? How could you do that? And uh, Cass says, I, I love you. And this is what... No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? It's so critical because he starts first and he says, I made a promise. Oh, And then when he looks at Kelly, then he amends to say, because I love you. Oh, my God. Like, he 
starts with the shield of duty and then he lets that shield drop and he lets it be the actual emotive place where he's at. Oof. Oof. I'm sorry Oof. that I came in here so aggressively trying to like <laughs> stop, but I'm like, it's, it was like a really critical thing as far as my notes were concerned. Oh, hell, I do it all the time. We're, <laughs> we're good. Oh my God. Yeah. No, you're totally right. He, he initially says, because I made a promise and this is his kind of closing moment on Kelly. Um, he is, he is saying, I will protect your son well, I'm not even motivated by the vow anymore. I have my own intrinsic motivation, and it is because, because I, love I love you. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's okay. He tries so hard. He he tells Jack it's okay. He's this winning is... the Dad Olympics, and he doesn't even know. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you okay? I'm fine. Cass tells Jack not to tell Sam and Dean. I mean, he doesn't want them to worry. And so Jack, again, we're talking about promises here. Jack lays down that I promise. Yeah, yeah. He says, um, Sam and Dean don't need to know. I don't want them to worry. And it's just the way that he says it. Again, it's the same way that he is trying to reassure Jack in this moment to say this. This is, he's so, his face is so serene. He's just so happy. He even happy. says, I'm at peace. Like, I know. This, I would give anything in a heartbeat. And it goes back. I'm like, parents will do anything to protect their kids. So Jack is going to be fine after this. Cass has zero hesitation protecting him from the fate of the empty. And Jack promises not to reveal Cass's secret in this moment. Yeah. Oh and my God. Cass, let's go. <laughs> Oh, my God. Except Kelly and Jack coming yeah. for my life. Yeah. Yeah, they say goodbye. Jack to Kelly is just saying, like, we didn't get enough time. I'm like, isn't that the story of you two right there? Uh, uh, but but Kelly says no. She, again, takes Jack's face in her hands and she says, no, my baby, my son, you are perfect and you are going to be so good and you are going to live your life and I'll be here. I'm here when it's actually your time. Yeah. Go have a great life. I'll be waiting. I love you so much. Like, oh my god, oh, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> After that, Jack turns to Cass, and you ready? He, yeah. Cass touches Jack's face, and Kelly's wiping tears away, and we are back to the bunker. Boom! Jack bolting upright on that slab where he's been prepared, and he's coughing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so we get the feel here that uh, Cass has returned Jack's body to his soul, but his body is in just as bad shape as it was when he died. This is what Cass meant when he said uh, only for a few seconds, because he would basically just be returning a human soul to a dead body. Ooh, yeah. Or a body that, you know, died for a reason, yeah, I should say. Yeah, a body incapable of holding the life. Right, exactly, exactly. But a couple seconds is all Lily needed, and uh, Sam hands Jack an incantation uh, and says, read this, and Jack seals the deal on this uh, soul magic. Yeah, and Lily is looking strained as this is going on, and she goes and sits aside 
And when Jack finishes this incantation, his eyes glow. And he goes, was that my soul? <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? It, actually, that made me think of it. It was like, so we saw these glowing eyes, but um, it wasn't his grace, was it? And, no, and, and it wasn't think this of- typical element that we see. Right, right, right. It wasn't the uh, yellow-eyed sun glow of Jack's Nephilim grace. It was this, like, this uh, internal glow. Um, and for Jack to come off of that uh, that power surge and to say, was that my soul? And Jack knows what his, what his grace feels like. He knows what his magic is, um, what his powers are. And this was decidedly different, even... Jack recognized it as something decidedly different. Yeah, so we closed the door on one peril and we're opening the door on another. Mm. Mm. But but in the moment, he feels good. Yeah. Dean gives him this huge hug and Sam's right up close to him too and they're thanking Lily for her efforts, but she has passed already. Yeah, Lily, Lily went to rest in an armchair and she is like she passed and then we are seeing this room full of filing cabinets and lily walking through it and she's approaching the desk where anubis sits and she doesn't know why she's here but he gets out the abacus again and this time when she holds her hand over it she's got a plus rating uh-huh well you know it made me think for lily to say why am i here um you know on the one hand you can take it as i already know where i'm going why am i here but on the other hand anubis said himself uh i'm just the paperwork guy i'm yes. the behind the curtains wizard and and for lily to be here it's because anubis you know invited her to be here and it was something that he wanted to see through yeah and it gives a little insight into his character because you know he stayed earlier even though it was against protocol yeah and here he is doing the measurement again and he even says like oh curious you know the result isn't what he was Mm -hmm. expecting and so he I wouldn't say it wasn't what he was expecting. I would say that it was exactly what he was expecting. He knew that that her fate would have changed and he invited yeah. her to, you know, witness it herself that and Yeah. And he chose to be the one to usher her into heaven. Yeah, I do agree on that. I think what I was at with he wasn't expecting it was that, you know, normally it's not one deed that can save a life uh, from going to heaven or hell. And so to be in this place, like he doesn't want it to just pass. He wants to be a bit privy to it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I get that. I like him a lot. I would love to see him later. Yes. And now we have Cass leaving Kelly's heaven and Naomi is there and she thanks him. And he's wary. He's looking (laughs) for enemies. But um, he saved them and there's a good side effect for it now. You know, heaven's okay. Yeah, Naomi says, uh, you saved us and that uh, I might even be tempted to offer you a reward. Yeah. Cass is so wary. He's like, yeah. I don't. He looks like he's cornered, even though he's in a hallway. <laughs> like, it is Naomi. Oh. Yeah. And so she rewards him with a impression of where Michael is. And so then we get into our final scene. 
Jack and his burger, my three dads. Yep, we have the heaven scene, only this time it is in the bunker. Jack is digging into burgers, and they all have, like, beers around, Mm -hmm. and he asks, like, is something wrong? But they're just glad to have him back. Dean's pleased that they now know where Michael's location is, however that happened. And they settle on this beat of optimism where they're going to find Kaya, and they're going to make Michael pay, and they clang their beers in celebration. Yeah, such optimism in the scene, such hopefulness in this scene. Yeah, it's not often that they have a plan for resurrection that, like, okay, we had a lot of hiccups along the way, but it still worked. Like, this shot in the dark that we didn't even think of at the bottom of the bottle last night. Here we are following through. We got our kid back. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what are your closing thoughts? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. What's my final takeaway? Um, do you want me to go? Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can feel you floundering. <laughs> um, for me, it was the repercussions that, you know, the what's next that's coming. Because we had the opportunity for the Winchesters to embrace death, but they just sat there saying, nope, doesn't feel right, bad fit, and go to these lengths to bring Jack back. And so now we have the, you know, what are going to be the consequences of Jack having his life intertwined with his soul? And then what are the consequences going to be for Castiel making that deal to save Jack? Like, to me, this episode left you with those Damocles swords above you. And although we have this great beat at the end where they're happy and they have this forward goal of Michael figured out, there is still these looming threats where you're like, you're like Castiel and what oh the empty God. expects of him, you know? There's this shadow sitting there, and even if you are experiencing joy, it's the at what cost question that keeps coming up. Yeah, this this death, okay, this Jack death. I, you know, I talk about how it was different than other supernatural deaths that we've seen before, even permanent deaths, but... There was something about this death that really did seem settled. It seemed okay um, as, I don't know. Well, is it just, I mean, not to be bland about it, but was it like a mundane enough death that, you know, you could see it happening in everyday life. And when it's in the Winchester's lives, it's it's like when we saw them in the hospital last week, it was uh-huh. like... They seem so out of place while they're there. They don't know the song and dance that they have to. And then when they get enough of it, then they bail. It's like, it's it's one part that where uh, this is is just, you know, shit happens. Um, But it's one part also just the way that they were reacting to this death. You know, they were laughing at the table when they were eating nougat and drinking whiskey and reminiscing. And they were... uh, when asked the question, what's the next steps, they responded with wake in a funeral. Um, yeah. And and they were ready to move on. And we see Jack, like I said, empty aside, we see Jack in heaven, happy and even able to, 
you know, be with his mother and happy. And I don't know. It just felt to, there's a certain ominousness. Like you said, these, this, this, the, the consequences, what will be the consequences? Because we, I get the feeling that this, um, uh, this was not the right deal to make. We kind of yanked him away from something something that should have happened. Yeah, the characters might not have been sitting comfortable with what happened, but as for actual outcomes, like Jack in Heaven being fine, empty aside, and them just having to live the life now of having lost this person that they saw as like a dependent, saw as family as a kid to them. They have again made a a disproportionate sacrifice. Yeah. And just because they think, okay, it came at the 11th hour and all it's going to cost is just a little sip of Jack's battery once a day. Yeah. 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 We're waiting for that sword to fall. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. We, the viewer does not believe for a second that this is not going to come back and bite us in the ass, as, as Dean said. Yeah. And, and like Cass, we can experience joy, but there is that sliver of shadow that is looming over it, wondering what's next. Cass's empty deal. Oh my god. Okay, what is my takeaway? Holy shit. My final takeaway is the... Um, uh, just the feelings that surrounded, that precedented... Uh no, preceded, not precedented. The the feelings that preceded this deal uh, leading into it and it was just like we were okay, we were okay until we were not okay. And we and and or more like we were okay until we had this bone dangled in front of us and it it's just I'm waiting for the moment when we can be okay with it, you know, with death yeah. or with um, loss or this is how it is. And and it, it's just so, I don't know, on the one hand, it's weird to me because the Winchesters know what comes following death. Um, but they've spent their whole lives fighting to protect people from fates like I this. Know. like. It's it's a difficult habit to try and break. And, and, and I, I think that my final takeaway is exactly that, is that um, we were at first uh, led down this hallway of emotional growth that said, hey, we can be okay. Um, and then at the 11th hour yanked into the fucking bathroom and given a fucking swirly in the toilets because (laughs) we were yanked on that chain and um and and now we have in the back of our mind that that sword is gonna fall so yeah yeah and that was <laughs> season 14 episode 8 byzantium yeah yeah woof. yeah and next week we will be covering season 14 episode 9 the spear it's the mid-season finale already 
Oh my god, time flies. <laughs> but we're we're having fun. It flies because we're having fun and crying. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Through the tears we can't see the clock, so Exactly. <laughs> As always, join us on Twitter, Tumblr, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcast, like, subscribe. Yep, like, subscribe, comment. We see everyone. We love everyone. So yeah, thank you guys for joining, and we'll see you next week. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. I, I should have looked up the meaning of that word before it went in, because it's just a word. Anyways, it was an episode written Siri, by... what's the meaning of Byzantium? Byzantium means an ancient Greek city founded in the 7th century BC at the southern end of the Bosporus, site of the modern city of Istanbul. It was rebuilt by Constantine the Great in at 324-30 as Constantinople. Istanbul, not Constantinople? Correct. It's Byzantium, not Constantinople.